I don't know what it felt like to be an enslaved Israelite in Egypt any more than I know what it felt like to be an enslaved African-American in our nation before the Civil War. But I know what it feels like to be enslaved to sin. And I know what it feels like to be rescued by God's grace, to be a spiritual slave no more. See, to be slaves no more means there's a freedom to celebrate. There's freedom to rejoice in some good news to tell, a story of deliverance to declare. There's news to share, and as we just heard, this is news that brings joy, news that changes life forever. Well, the church, in a time of uncertainty, we need to hear again something of which we are certain We need some good news that we can build our lives upon. And church, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that good news. The message that God has rescued us from hopelessness and he has forgiven us by his grace. And he has welcomed us into his family and given us life that never, ever ends. That's the news we're talking about. And so Meadowbrook Baptist Church, this is the kind of news that eliminates fear. There's a lot of bad news circulating today. We know this and we need some good news. This is good news. This is the kind of news we build, we want to build our lives upon. This is the kind of news that we must build the church upon. You see, we want to be a healthy church and a healthy church is a church that's grounded in the gospel. We know that we're still a scattered church. We're, we're meeting in various places this morning in, in homes and family units. But we want to be a church that's healthy, that's grounded in the gospel. We want to be a people. We want to be brothers and sisters in Christ who know the truth about Jesus. Do you know this gospel? Do you know this news that God extends forgiveness of sins and eternal life through Jesus By his grace, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. We sang of this news already this morning. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. Friends, the gospel is what provides us such comfort, such peace and security, the kind of hope that leads to singing even on days like today. Do you know this hope? Friend, do you have this joy? Do you know the hope that's found in knowing and walking with Christ Jesus, our Lord? Friends, we're in uncharted territory. We're doing church in an unusual way, in a strange way. It's not good for us to be scattered all the time. We need to gather together as a people of faith. But church, we have perhaps an unprecedented opportunity to demonstrate unwavering faith in the God of the Bible. Why would we do that? Why would we demonstrate such certainty in the midst of uncertainty? Friends, because our God is the God of wonders who has done marvelous things for his people, things worth telling to everyone we encounter. 
And so what does it mean to be a healthy church? Friends, a healthy church tells people about God's mighty acts of salvation. The healthy church is a church that, that tells others, that tells people what God has done, that he is a God who saves. Who are you telling today? Who do you know that needs to know what the Lord has done? We've been studying the book of Exodus on Sunday mornings here at Meadowbrook. We took a, a break last week and we looked at Psalm 46, a word of comfort message that God is our refuge, he's our strength, he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. But today we return to Exodus. We'll be in Exodus 18 this morning, and so let me invite you there in your home to look at God's Word with me, to open up the Scriptures, to, to open up the Bible and to look at His Word. The book of Exodus is the story of God remembering His people and rescuing His people from slavery and then instructing them, instructing them on how to live as his people so that they might be a witness to the nations around them of the greatness of God. Can I ask you a question today? Who around you needs to hear about the greatness and the grace of God? Perhaps now is the perfect time to get to know your neighbor. You ever had a neighbor where you... Uh, thought to yourself, I, I just never see them. They're never at home. Our schedules line up. I, I would say hi to them when they pull in, but I, but I don't ever see them. Well, chances are during these days, you have an opportunity. They are likely home. You have an opportunity to get to know them. Perhaps today is the day to check on them, to offer, to pray for them, to share some words of comfort from God's word with them, to ask them how they're feeling and thinking, and to demonstrate the peace that surpasses all understanding that Christ gives to his people. Or maybe there's someone right there with you. Maybe there's someone in your own household who needs to hear what God has done. And chances are, if they're in your house, you've got plenty of opportunity to talk with them. And for Moses, it was someone in his own family. So let me invite you this morning to look at his story and learn from God's Word. Exodus chapter 18, we'll be reading verses 1 through 12. Let's look at the Bible together. The Bible reads this way. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons, and one son was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer, for he said, My father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Verse 5, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them 
Verse 9, Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we pray that you would instruct us now through your word. Teach us your truth. Shape us, encourage us, confront us, equip us, Lord, that we might walk as your children. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, church, in our trek through Exodus, we haven't heard from this guy Jethro in in quite a while. And so uh, right away, the the author of this story uh, tells us who Jethro was. He was the priest of Midian in verse 1 and the father-in-law of Moses. And so as the priest of Midian, Jethro was a religious leader. He was a a religious guy, a a religious leader, and the leader of another faith, meaning that he was one who facilitated worship of another god, a false god. He didn't worship Yahweh, the god who had appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, the god who had had called them to be his people, the god who had had appeared to, to Moses in the burning bush. Jethro didn't worship this God. He didn't worship our God. And so can you imagine his response when his son-in-law and the father of his grandkids says to him, Yahweh, my God, the God of my ancestors, appeared to me in a burning bush, and he told me to go back to Egypt and to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. What? Moses, what are you doing? You're going to go to the most powerful king in the region, perhaps in all of the world, you're going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to tell him to let his slaves go? No doubt Jethro must have thought Moses was crazy. And perhaps even that he would never even see him again. And we don't know how Moses' wife Zipporah and his two sons ended up with Grandpa Jethro here and there. Or a couple different possibilities. There's a couple different theories. Maybe Moses sent them home before he went to Egypt. Maybe Moses said to his wife, Honey, you know, uh, this is a pretty dangerous journey. I trust in the Lord. I believe his promises. But this is, this is a big endeavor. Why don't you guys stay here with Grandpa Jethro for a while and we'll catch up with you when we get back. Or, or maybe not. Maybe they went with him. Maybe they went to Egypt with him and now they've returned back to uh, their homeland with him. Uh, maybe the, the story is just implying that Moses sent them on ahead. They, they came out of Egypt, by God's mighty hand. They crossed the Red Sea, and now they're, they're trekking in the desert, in the wilderness. They're coming near the mountain of God or, or, or Mount Sinai, where, uh, where Jethro is from, where uh, Zipporah is from. And, and maybe upon arriving there, uh, Moses says to his wife and his boys, go on ahead, we're, we're near home. Go find Grandpa Jethro and begin telling him all that the Lord has done. And we'll catch up soon. 
Either way, however this, un, uh, however this played out, he comes to the wilderness. Jethro comes out. He, he hears that Moses' people have been freed. He hears that the Israelites have been let go. And he comes out to the wilderness to meet Moses, who then proceeds to tell Jethro all that God had done to save his people. Church, the saved should share about the Savior. The saved should share about the Savior. Say that three times for a bit of a tongue twister. The saved should share about the Savior. The saved should share about the Savior. Friends, the saved should share about the Savior. That's what's going on here. Verse 8, Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Can you, can you imagine this conversation? You know, if there's anything that we, we've learned in the last couple of weeks, it's that we're not in control. We're, we're not in control. Life in Alabama, life even here in Birmingham and across our state, across the United States of America and uh, across the globe today, life has been disrupted. We've become so accustomed, right, to the shelves in our favorite grocery stores being stocked for us and our favorite places to eat being opened for us, and the investments in our 401ks growing. We've become accustomed to gatherings at the ball field and in the workplace, and as a church family, being safe and secure. But here in these days, we've been reminded that life is fragile, and that we're dependent on someone else. Friends, we're we're dependent on another to protect us and to provide for us. And, And church, we need this reminder. We need this reminder. We need to remember that God alone rules and reigns over all, that he is certain and that he is sovereign. And friends, he is our Savior. He is the God who saves. Moses knew the Savior. And so he began telling Jethro all that had happened. Moses tells Jethro about the the signs that he performed in the presence of Pharaoh himself. He tells about the plagues that were poured out upon Egypt and an effort to convince Pharaoh and the officials of the land to to let the Israelites go, to to turn and to worship the God above all gods, the only God. He tells him about the parting of the Red Sea. He tells him about this mass gathering and, and song of celebration, this mass choir and worship service that unfolded on the other side of the sea. He tells them about the grumbling in the desert. He tells them about the manna that God had rained down from heaven. He tells them about the quail that came in across the land. He tells them about the battle with the Amalekites and how the Lord sustained them and gave them victory that day. And as Moses shared... Notice in this story who gets all the glory, every, every bit of it. Moses doesn't say, hey, hey, Jethro, hey, let me tell you how this happened. I, I, I waltzed into Pharaoh's presence, odd-looking guy, and I said, listen up, man. Get it together. Let these people go or I'm coming after you. No, it didn't happen that way at all. This story is not about a wise leader or a brave warrior, but it's about a divine savior. Now Jethro, verse 1, heard of everything 
God had done and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And then the very naming of Moses' second son, Eliezer, verse 4, which means God is my helper. The very naming of this boy memorializes God's hand in saving Moses before this wicked king. Look back at the text, verse 4. For Moses said, my father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Verse 8, Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done and how the Lord had saved them. Verse 9, Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them. Verse 10, he said, praise be to the Lord who rescued you and who rescued the people. Verse 11, now I know that that the Lord did this to those who treated Israel arrogantly. You get the point. Salvation is God's work. Now, ultimately, this is not Moses' work. This is God's work. The emphasis from both Moses and Jethro's lips is squarely on the Lord's work in rescuing his people. Oh, there was much to tell that day, but Moses shared it all as much as he was able because he knew that only those who hear about the Savior will know that he is Lord. Friends, only those who hear about the Savior will know that he is Lord. And so Moses shared the story of God's salvation. And Jethro, the priest, who was spending his life to lead people to worship and serve a false god, said, verse 11, now I know. He said, now I know that the Lord, that Yahweh, that your God, that he is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Only those who hear about the Savior will know that he is Lord. Friend, have you heard about the Savior? Do you know the God who saves? Do you know about the God who has come to rescue you by his grace? The God who has come to you in the flesh? The God that has sent his only son to be the perfect sacrifice in our place on the cross of Calvary. That we might be forgiven of our sins. That we might be restored into right relationship with him. That we might experience joy and forgiveness and life here on earth. But more importantly, life everlasting with him. Do you know about this Savior? You can know him today. You can trust him today. You can serve him today. Do you know the Savior? You see, this God who saved Israel from Egypt wasn't finished saving. In fact, he was just getting started. This is the salvation of these people, the salvation of the Jews or the Israelites or the Hebrews was intended to shine a beacon of light through them to the nations around them, pointing people to the greatness and the grace of the Almighty God, preparing this people, preparing the Jews to receive Jesus the Christ, the Son of God and Savior of the world in the flesh. This one who would give his life in the place of sinners like you and me. So one who would lay down his life in our place as our substitute in order to rescue us from slavery to sin and to bring us into his everlasting kingdom. That's the good news that we're to build our lives upon. That's the good news that we're to build the church upon. That God has done for us what we could not do. Uh, He has done for us what uh, we did not deserve for him to do. That he has rescued all who will turn to him in faith, recognizing his lordship 
and trusting in him. See, as Moses shared with Jethro, so now go and share with others. See, like Moses, go tell your family what God has done for you. Go tell your neighbors and your classmates and your co-workers and whosoever may not have heard. Tell them what God has done for you so that they too may turn to him and be saved. Church, the saved should share about the Savior. For only those who hear about the Savior will know that he is Lord. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. But he said, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the, the Lord that we now know and worship as Jesus Christ, everyone who calls on his name will be saved. How then, he says, can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Church, we have an incredible opportunity right now to bring good news. To speak the truth in love. To shine the light of Jesus to serve others because we know this one who has come to serve us. And, and maybe, as we are faithful in that, as we are faithful witnesses, as we speak the truth about Jesus, our Savior, the light of the world, the one who has come to rescue us, maybe, just maybe, as, as we are faithful in sharing this news, we'll see someone come to know the Lord, like Jethro. And, and we'll get to witness them rejoice And worship him. You see, those who know the Lord will rejoice and worship him. Those who know him, those who know who he is, those those who have come to him in faith, they're going to rejoice in him and they're going to worship him. Upon hearing all that God had done, Jethro was delighted to hear, the text says, verse 9. He was delighted to hear this news and he said, verse 10, praise be to the Lord. Praise be to God. And then he sat down, verse 12, as a member of the worshiping community, celebrating peace with God and peace with one another. Let me ask you today, are you at peace with God? Are you at peace with God? Do you know where you stand before God? If you don't know, the Bible says that you can know today by turning and trusting in Jesus as your Savior. The Bible says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be delivered, will be rescued. Saved from sin and the penalty of sin. Saved from an estranged relationship, a broken relationship with the one who made us. The one who made us to know him and to enjoy him forever and ever. You can have peace with God today. Turn and trust in him. And then let me ask you another question. Are those in your household at peace with God? Are those that perhaps are sitting down with you right now and participating with you, listening with you right now, are they at peace with God? Why don't you worship and celebrate God together today? As the one who saves the one who has done mighty acts of salvation, the one who has rescued us, the one who restores us, the one in whom we can rejoice 
in and through every situation we face in this life. Why don't you talk about Jesus, our Savior, today? Tell all that he has done. Talk about it among yourselves. Talk about Christ. And then tell others. Then, church, call your neighbors. Call your friends. Check in with those that you know and and even those that perhaps you, you really don't know all that well. And tell people what God has done. See, even though we're a scattered church today, we're still the church. And we want to be a healthy church. We want to be a faithful church. And so, friends, let's be a healthy church. Let's be a faithful church telling people about God's mighty acts of salvation. Let's tell one another. Let's remind one another. And let's broadcast to others what God has done for his people in Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you an opportunity as we prepare to close out our service this morning to reflect on these truths. As Nick, our pianist, comes and and plays for us, let me encourage you to take some time where you are, there in your home, reflecting on the truths of God's Word, uh, considering where you stand before God and considering those that you know that the Lord may be putting in your path or impressing upon your heart to talk to Jesus about. Take some time this morning. Take some time now over the next two or three minutes. Why don't you bow before the Lord? Why don't you spend time in prayer? Why don't you reflect on what it means for you to be faithful with the good news of the gospel that God has shared with you? Would you bow with me? Father, we are grateful that you are a God who saves. Father, we're grateful that you have rescued us, that you have delivered us, that you have purchased us through Jesus' blood, your Son, our Savior. Father, we're grateful that you call us your own, that you welcome us into your presence, that that you have reconciled us by your grace. Father, now as we reflect on the truths of your word, on the truths of this story, your story, Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see. We pray that you would give us ears to hear. We pray that you would give us faith to believe and to act in accordance with your word. So lead us now. Hear our prayers. Speak to us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.